Good evening. We are so glad that you have joined us this evening for Christmas Eve, and we are going to participate in something very spontaneous. So this is a spontaneous nativity, and as you can see, our kids are getting together right now. So if you already have a prop, if you could look around and find the person that's holding your sign... So if you're an angel, look for the angel sign. If you are an animal, you can come up here with me right now. And you can come up here on the stage. Come on. I see a cow. I see two cows. Come on up. It's like, this step is too big, lady. And I am going to invite... I'm going to invite Joel to come up on the stage. Can you guys sit down? And Joel is going to share with us the amazing story of that first Christmas. What an amazing night. An amazing night like this deserves an amazing story, don't you think? And we have an amazing cast to help us do just that. So let's set the stage. Over here, we have an empty manger and some animals waiting for our amazing story to unfold. Let's begin. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off 
and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Good work, shepherds. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm. Like I said, it was an amazing night. May we always be filled with awe and wonder at the amazing gift that God has given to us all, his one and only son, Jesus. Let's thank our amazing cast. Is thank you so much, Joel. As you all leave, there are bags right here on each side of the stage, and that's a gift for you, and you can keep your props. Those are also a gift, so you can get a bag as you leave and go back to your seats. Thank you so much. You did such a wonderful job. That's awesome. <laughs> um, we're going to continue in worship. You all would like to stand with me. Um, we're going to sing Angels We Have Heard on High. It's almost like we're in one big choir in heaven singing to Jesus.
Well, Merry Christmas. My name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillcrest. Great to have you here tonight. And last week we talked about that word praise. We praise your name forever. That praise means that we remember who God is and what he's done. That we take time to remember. That's why we're here tonight. To remember that God stepped into history. That Jesus put on flesh and came into our neighborhood. That we might know God's love and grace. And that is a good thing. I hope you've been having a good week and are ready to really celebrate Jesus' birthday. Um, I've drunk about a gallon of eggnog this week. So yeah, it's been a good week for me. Uh, how many of you guys like eggnog? Any... Okay, awesome. How many hate eggnog? Any eggnog? Yeah, it's like you either love it or you hate it. There's like no in between with eggnog. And uh, you guys are looking very nice tonight. We all kind of dressed up, put on our Christmas red sweaters or whatever you might have close by. Uh, just turn to the person next to you and say, you look great tonight. Just love one another for a moment. You look great. If you're watching online, just look into that mirror and like brag on yourself for a minute. Yeah, it is good. Most, most of us at some point in our lives, we, we want to hear that from someone. We want someone to look at us and say, you are looking good. We want to hear that from a mom or a dad. We want to hear it from a, a spouse, a friend, a partner, uh, a sibling. You know, we want to know that people see us, uh, that they see what we're doing in our lives, that, um, you know, that they're with us as we're making choices. I think that's one of the poles of social media, posting things on wherever you post things, you know, like people can see what we're doing and they can hit that like button. They can make a comment. We know that they see us, that they're aware of what's going on in our world. And uh, sometimes I think we get a little confused between um, attention and love. Like if I'm getting attention, a lot of times I think, well, that's love, but it's actually very different than that. But we do think about our reputation, about what people think of us and, and how they see us. Uh, our reputation matters to us. That's just a human experience. I remember one time in college, I was with some friends, and we were driving from Minnesota down to Colorado to go skiing. So it was me and four of my friends in my car, and we hit the highway early, like 6 a.m., to, to make the drive, and it was freezing outside, Minnesota winter. It's cold. And we were about an, an hour in the car driving with no heat in the car. We were all bundled up in our Christmas coats, I mean, our winter coats and our hats and gloves, and we just couldn't get any heat. And all of my friends were looking at me, Nate, what are you doing? You know, why is your car not kicking out some heat? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. My friend Josh was riding shotgun. And at one point he leaned over to him and he said, have you checked the coolant lately, Nate? And I kind of chuckled. I was like, coolant? We're freezing. We don't need more cool of anything, you know. And uh, he kind of went like this a little bit. He said, why don't you stop in the ne next gas station? So we stopped. He said, pop the hood. And he showed, you know, open up the radiator and like, it was dry. I mean, like there was not much going on inside that radiator. So he got some coolant, filled it up. We're on the highway again, five minutes down the highway, heat just pouring out of the vents. And all my friends are looking at me and, and like, I got a reputation in that moment. <laughs> like I'm clueless about how cars operate and how they're supposed to work. It's funny when you're a young guy, like in my early 20s, trying to be a man, how much that checks you, your manhood, when you don't know about cars. For the next two years at college, those four friends, whenever I would say anything about a car, or like, hey, you want to come? I'll, I'll drive. They would always take it back to the coolant. You know, <laughs> like, you got coolant this time? You know, you got gas in that thing? You know, and you know how it works? Um, our reputations matter to us, and, and we, we protect them. We're thinking about them. There's a lot of things we could talk about when it comes to the Christmas story. I want to talk about reputation a little bit at the Christmas story. When we think about that story that took place 2,000 years ago, it's pretty incredible to think about that story, all the different parts of it, how God was working in every element of that story. The facts of history tell us that Jesus was, was real, 
He's known to ancient historians. They wrote about him, this person, this man, Jesus, and the difference he made in his neighborhood there. When he left the earth, there was a, a few hundred people um, that were pursuing life with Jesus, and they were left behind, and, and they stood against the Roman Empire. And within a couple of centuries, the entire empire had turned and become uh, something like Christianity was now a real thing to them. These few hundred people changed the world. There's so many things we could talk about. I just want to focus in tonight, though, on reputation, specifically Joseph's reputation. Joseph is Jesus's adoptive dad, and when we read the stories of Matthew and Luke, their story of Jesus's birth, it's really obvious they want us to understand that this is a supernatural thing taking place. Jo uh, Joseph wasn't required for Mary to have this baby Jesus, and already that's a shocking thing. And then we learn more about Joseph. Like one of the things, he never says a word in the stories in the Bible of, of his son's birth, of, of this Messiah coming into the world. Joseph never has a line. I've got a nativity set at my house. And Joseph's one of the characters. There's about six other characters. They all have lines in the biblical story of Christmas. But Joseph, the dad, is silent. And that's sort of surprising because normally men in that time, 2,000 years ago, they were the ones that told the stories. And here, Joseph is silent. I want to look at this part of the story in Matthew chapter 1. And so if you've got a Bible, you can certainly open it up to Matthew 1, verse uh, 18. And I just want to read this part of the story with you tonight and take just a couple minutes and talk about Joseph's reputation. Verse 18 starts, This is how the, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. So already it's a little scandalous for Mary. Joseph and her were pledged to be husband and wife, and she is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, specifically the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. There's so many relationships at work in this story. It's interesting to think about what would it be like if that was taking place today. In many ways, we can take it from 2,000 years ago and put it right into our culture today. Two people who are committed to one another, living life together, thinking about that wedding date, and then one seems to go outside the relationship, not keep her promise. And of course, the other is concerned about this, and, but, but torn because he cares deeply about the one who holds his heart. And the story tells us that Joseph was faithful to the law. And that's language about reputation in this story. Faithful to the law. The language uh, uh, tells us that Joseph was concerned about being well thought of in his neighborhood, in his community. Faithful to the law was pretty critical in the Middle East at that time that they were following the, the laws of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the teachings of the rabbis. That, that you were, if you wanted to be in good in your neighborhood, if you wanted people to think well of you, and you wanted to fit in, you, were, you would be faithful to the law. And part of the reason of that is that the rabbis would teach the, the, 
the people there that throughout hundreds of years of history, the Jewish people had been enslaved and taken into captivity. They had been attacked. Wars had come into their country. And the rabbis would say, it's because we weren't faithful to God, to his law, to how he created us. We haven't been faithful to him. And since we broke his way, now we have to face different hardships. And so the people were vigilant about keeping the law because they didn't want to go back to those seasons in the past when they were in captivity, when they were enslaved. So those who were popular and trending and known in Joseph's neighborhood, they were people that were faithful to the law, observed the teachings of the rabbis and the law of Moses. Everyone wanted to do this. And Joseph fit in just great with that. That's who he was. And all these things, of course, were measured by external things. Were they wearing the right things? Were they eating the right kinds of food? Were they hanging out with the right people? Were they going to the right right religious gatherings and festivals? All these right things were hopefully revealing a heart, a posture that said, I love God and I love those around me that he has created. That was the desire. But we all know that you can kind of fake those external things. You can wear the right thing and say the right thing. And really, your heart can be somewhere else. But Joseph was a righteous man. We still struggle with this today when we think about our reputations. We might look back 2,000 years and say, come on, you know, why did you have to follow the rules? We might poke fun at how simple that seems to us. But today, we still do the same thing. We want to wear the right stuff and know the right people, say the right things. Our reputations matter to us. We want to be part of what is happening in the world around us. One of the good things, sometimes reputation can be a good thing, the social pressure around us. Sometimes it it matches with what God has for us as well. One of the things we're pressured about today is that we would be thinking of those who are marginalized, those who are overlooked, and that warms the heart of God. God is concerned about justice for people, especially those that are overlooked. And so that's part of the reason why we as a church have been doing things like the uh, Advent Conspiracy over the last few weeks. We've been saying, how can we think about those who are overlooked and, and, and not thought of? So we have this partnership with Bethel Mission in Nicaragua. And Anna's been working down there for many years, serving uh, in her community. She's discovered these families and kids that live in the, in the city dump. And they go through the trash and look for things they can recycle, look for ways to make money. And her heart broke for them. And so Anna started years ago uh, creating places, safe places for the kids to, meet, to get together and, and learn together and to take care of families, to bring food to them. And so our Advent conspiracy, we're conspiring Uh, Instead of spending all the money on ourselves, we're saying, how can we help others and give money to others who are in need? And so Anna's uh, set an example for us. And we set a goal of $38,000 for our Advent Conspiracy. And right now we're hitting around, uh, what is it? Where's that number up there? 23,000, I think. Yeah, so you guys are doing great, Hillcrest. We're almost at our goal. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we can clap for that. We've got a week left to, to live that out. And I'm really excited that in this next year, hopefully next summer, we'll be able to send us a team down Uh, to Anna and to be with her and to learn from her and pray with her and encourage her. Um, But so we do this uh, because it's part of God's heart. And it's also something we see in our culture today, that there's a concern for those who are overlooked. That's a good thing. But there are certainly things in our culture that push against us and pressure us and they don't always match the heart of God. Sometimes we, we make compromises or we do things because we're concerned about what others might think. And I think about Joseph in this story. And here he is faced with this decision. He's a man who wants to honor the law and be part of his community. And, and for him, if, if the one you're betrothed to is, becomes pregnant, not by you, well, that means you have to dismiss them. According to the law, you have to dismiss them, and sh- that person has not been faithful to you. And so the law of Moses says that you are free from that bond. And Joseph could have done it loudly, and Mary's life would have been threatened because the Old Testament law talks about 
that if someone is unfaithful in that way, that their life should be taken. But Joseph, because he cares about Mary, decides to do it quietly. So he has this decision, am I going to live out the way of the law, be righteous in the ways that my community talks about? And then on the other hand, his heart breaks for her, and then he receives this dream. where God, The angel shows up and says, this is not of you, and it's not of any man. The Holy Spirit is at work here. This is a supernatural occurrence. And Joseph has a decision. Do I want to believe that and take her as my wife? If he takes Mary as his wife, well, he's compromising the law and his reputation and his community. I was trying to think of a modern-day example of what that would be like if he chose, uh, you know, the harder way, chose to do something that his, his culture would have frowned upon. It's hard to think of an example without offending someone, so I hope you have grace with me. But the closest thing that kind of occurred to me is that idea of when you cancel someone. When someone made a choice a year ago or 10 years ago, and you, we look at that and say, well, if that's what they're thinking, if that's what they're doing, then they don't have any value to us now. Anything they might want to say, we don't want to hear because of what they did in the past. And Joseph, that was his choice. I can be a man of the law and good standing in my community, or I could be canceled. I could be, my, my reputation will be tarnished. That's why Matthew talks about that it's clear that for, for Joseph's um, story, that Mary was pregnant not by Joseph, verse 18, it says, before they came together, she was pregnant. But his neighbors didn't know that, right? Mary's family, they didn't know, uh, they didn't have an angel come and visit them. Joseph's friends from the synagogue, they didn't have a dream about what was happening in the background. All they saw was the story that Mary's three-month-old baby bump was telling. And they had opinions and thoughts about that. And both Joseph and Mary's reputation were in danger in this moment. But Joseph chose, we know how he chose, and he suffered the consequences. His reputation would never be the same again. We don't often think about that. But 30 years later, people in his, his community, his neighbors, were still thinking little of Joseph, thinking about his reputation. How do I know that? Well, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus has been preaching and teaching. He's now 30 years old. So this is three decades later. Joseph has already died. And Jesus is out. And he comes back to his hometown. And he begins to talk about what God is doing in the world today. And the people look at Jesus, and here's what it says in, in uh, Luke 4, 22. Everyone in the neighborhood spoke well of Jesus and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. Well, why were they amazed? They said, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Isn't this the guy, isn't this the son of the guy who compromised and, you know, didn't live according to the law of Moses? Isn't this the son of the guy that's reputation we've been dragging through the mud for the last three decades? They were surprised that Jesus could have some kind of spiritual authority or spiritual thing to say when they thought about, this is Joseph's kid, the one we regard as a person of the land, common, not as valuable as others who keep the law. His reputation was destroyed because of his decision. But Joseph saw a bigger story at work. I think that was what was going on. He saw that God was moving in a new way in the world. And Joseph said, my reputation is not as important as my identity as a follower of God, as someone that God wants to use. And when that angel said, I want to bring Jesus, I want to bring the one who will save people from their sins, Joseph said, I want to be about that. My re reputation may suffer, but I want to be part of what God's doing in the world today. And he gave that name to his child, this, this boy that was born. He gives the name Jesus. And that's what first century dads would do. They would speak a name over the kid. They would talk about their future, talk about what God was going to do through them. And Jesus comes from, it's a, a Greek name that comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So in this story we read, uh, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And his name means 
the Lord saves. So Emmanuel Jesus, God with us to save us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God is with us, that Jesus came to save us, to save us in every way that we can be saved. Jesus saving us means we're free from our selfish choices. We're free from our, our twisted motivations. We're freed from those chains of reputation that cause us to be more concerned about what others might think instead of what God might think and what God might call out of us. God is so concerned about what's going on inside of you. We get stuck on the externals. And God says, I want to know your heart. I love you. I want to be connected to you. Of course, the externals matter as well, but it starts with the posture of our hearts. That we understand that we are in need of forgiveness, that we are loved by our creator, and that we give our lives to, to coming alongside what he's doing in the world today, how his kingdom is changing lives every day. We can fake those exterior things. And so God says, I want to grab your heart. I want to change you from the inside and let that flow out. That's the good news of the Christmas story, that we are forgiven, that God is not a God who is far off. He's not a God who looks at you and is disappointed. God is a God who is close, who loves you and sent his son, that we might be saved, that we might be part of the kingdom of God. That's the joy of Christmas. I want to pray with you, and then we're going to spend some time just thinking about what does that mean to live out that joy, to live out that new life we're called to in Christ. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the story of Christmas. We thank you that, Jesus, that you came, that you put on flesh, that you limited yourself to time and space, and you stepped into our world, and you revealed to us our creator, God. Jesus, you show us God's great love for us, and you came, you said you came not to condemn us, but to save us and to help us know a new kind of life. So at Christmas, Lord, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We think about all the external traditions around that in our community and our culture here in America, all the, the gift giving and the trees, the lights, all those things can point us back to you, but they can also distract us from what Christmas is really all about. That God is with us, that Jesus came to save, that we are no longer under the weight of others' expectations that we don't have to try to impress anyone except for you, Father God, that you call us by name and that you love us and that we're called to praise you, to lift your name high. So I just pray for everyone in the room tonight. I pray for myself, Lord, that we might see you at work, that we might surrender our reputation so that we, from our hearts, can be transformed and that we too might be adopted into your family as your sons and your daughters. Thank you for Christmas, this reminder that Jesus came, came to save. It's in his name we pray, amen. We're gonna spend some time uh, sharing the lights of Christmas. We've, over the last four Sundays, lit a different candle each week talking about the light of the world who came at Christmas. And it, it takes us to John chapter one. I wanna read this from verses nine through 12. John, who knew Jesus and was close to him and walked with him for three years, he sat down and wrote out the stories that he experienced with Jesus. And here's what John said about him. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus was, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and yet his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in Jesus' name, 
He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He brings light to dark places. He lifts our eyes from our suffering that we might see a new way of life. And as Jesus fills us, as the Spirit of God fills us, we are given the light as well. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. And so I want to invite you to take your candles and we're going to be sharing the light with you tonight as we think about how we are the light of the world. We'll be bringing the candle to you and invite you to take your unlit candle and tip it into the flame and light it. And we're going to light from the Christ candle. So I want to invite you to stand, if you would. I'm going to ask that we would turn off the lights in the sanctuary here. And we're going to sing Silent Night as we share this light of Jesus' love with those around us. Savior is born. 
want to invite you to lift your candles up for a moment, being aware of those around you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out before others so that it may glorify your Father in heaven. Be the light of the world in your family, in your neighborhood, at school, at work. Allow his love to transform your life. You can blow out your candle. We're going to finish our time together by singing Joy to the World, so I want to invite you to, to sing out. Stop.